Hello, welcome to my Camino the Podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and it's great to have your company. Just before we begin what is a magic episode, a very special thank you to my new Patreon sponsors this week, Jennifer and Teresa. You can sponsor the podcast to help keep the show on the road by visiting patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. This is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago, a series of pilgrimages across Europe. When people ask me to describe the Camino, I tell them it's an ancient tradition. Pagans walk the paths of the Camino to walk to the end of the world, a place called Finisterre on the west coast of Spain. They believed it was the end of the earth. The most popular Camino is what's called the Camino Francaise. It winds its way from St. jean pied de port on the French side of the Pyrenees, across the Alps, through Pamplona and Burgos and Leon, and eventually to Santiago de Compostela, where the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James are interred beneath a majestic cathedral towering over the town square. Pilgrims come from all over the world to walk the Camino for a wide range of reasons and many and varied inspirations. I received a great quote from one of my listeners this week, Amy in Dunleary in Ireland. It's from Walt Disney, the American animator, film producer and entrepreneur. See, Amy is preparing to walk her second Camino, but had stopped her regular walks because of COVID. She wasn't sure she'd be able to reach the necessary fitness to get back into shape for the Camino. And her daughter found this quote to inspire her mum. Walt Disney said the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. It's a quote that not only got Amy walking again, it got me thinking. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. It could be applied to so many aspects of our lives, our collective journey. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. We waste so much energy talking, proposing, planning, suggesting. And then once we begin, we get the momentum we need to progress. It could be relationships or career or health or travel or something many see as a big moment in their life. Perhaps learning a musical instrument or a new language. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Start. And your future begins now. Good luck, Amy. I know you're listening. The pilgrim community around the world wishes you well. Buen Camino. Well, now to this week's magic episode. I have two guests this week, James Sage and his son, Leo. James and Leo walked the Camino together earlier this year, and it was their second Camino. And the Camino has brought them peace individually and as a father and son. James and Leo, welcome, pilgrims. Hey, Dan. We're so pleased to be here. James, I'll start with you. How did the Camino come into your life? I was. I first learned about the Camino in the early 1990s. I was doing what is now called the Gap Year uh, for Australian kids, and I was studying art in Florence. And I was sharing a dormitory with some students from around the world who were there to study university. And everybody was um, uh, comparing their their countries, and we had three Spaniards in the mix. And there were three things that the Spaniards loved to talk about. Uh, one was uh, their football or their soccer. Uh, one was Julio Iglesias. <laughs> and the third was this thing called the Camino. And they were very passionate about it. And um, it, it sounded amazing, but as a 17 year old, it also sounded slightly crazy. 
because of course everything we were doing then was sort of determined on how little we had distance we had to walk rather than how far so um so it sounded amazing but i i just wrote it off as something that the crazy people did and then in a story which uh, uh i know many would be familiar with i was um lying on the couch 30 years later after a hard day at work and it was it was late in the evening and uh, a movie started on the television um the way and i thought oh, i haven't heard of this but martin sheen is a personal favorite of mine so I, I thought i'd stick around and see how it rolled out and um sure enough two hours later as the credits rolled i was i was hooked and uh it, it absolutely resonated with some with me at that stage because by then i was you know happily married but i had all the complexity of modern life wrapped around me i i was running my own company and had a mortgage and looking at you know, had two kids and um the idea of just having space and time and doing a long physical walk uh, just immediately resonated so that's where it all started and uh it took me a, a few years to um, get myself together to plan to go on the Camino and I was due to go in 2018 but um, a couple of things intervened in, in life so 2019 was was my target year to go on my first Camino. James I'll stay with you let's go to 2019 then your first Camino you're preparing to walk and then Leo's life became your focus at the time. Very much so yeah so Leo um, I, I was, as you say, late 2018, I was due to head off in early 2019, but, um, my lovely son, Leo was, was really struggling with a few challenges in life at that time. Um, a few years earlier, he had been diagnosed with I, uh, OCD and, and anxiety, and that had escalated into a form where he was very in incredibly anxious, um, and was really worried in particular about the, the safety or how safe the world was as a place. And he was he was always checking in with people around him as to whether he was safe and whether the places he was going were safe. And in the schoolyard, um, that didn't really get understood very well by his, his fellow classmates. And um, he was sort of pegged as being a bit unusual and, and that led to some pretty harsh bullying and um that that escalated to the point where leo started self-harming and so in late 2018 uh, my wife jenny and i thought we you know we really that the help that we're giving leo is not enough we need to do something more drastic so we did two things we we shifted schools um because school had become a place that was just um a, a terrible place in leo's mind and i thought why don't I take him on the Camino? I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, it'd be a wonderful circuit breaker, but it was also, I was also thinking, here's a place where every day is uncertain um, and yet where wonderful things can happen. Mm -hmm. And so I was putting my faith in the Camino that I could show Leo that we could go to a place where, you know, it, it would be the absolute worst case scenario for him in his anxiety because he always liked to know everything of, you know, about where he was going, and yet it was a place where where that doesn't didn't mean the worst was going to happen. And um, so, with very short notice, uh, I asked Leo at the beginning of two thousand nineteen, "Would you like to come with me on the Camino?" And it, uh, as he said to me afterwards, it didn't quite sound like a holiday, um, mm. but 
it sounded like a great adventure and uh, thankfully he said yes and <laughs> in in April we we departed together so leo to you do you remember that moment when you decided that you'd go yes it was um a big decision for me because i just moved schools and i was trying to settle down into new classmates new classes um but i uh, it took me a couple days to decide that i wanted to go and i thought about it and that it would be good for me to have a break from everything and just mm. let go in a way mm. so a couple of days later i said sure let's do it and mm. then we did it <laughs> and tell us leo about walking day after day you're on the camino and it began to emerge to you there was hope there's a brighter side to life what was that feeling like when things started to improve for you it felt very reassuring yeah um of everything I felt more safe and more confident about myself and the world. I thought that everything was going to be okay and it was mm. and that helped me a lot with my mental health and everything. I imagine before you went on the Camino with your dad there were nights Leo when you would lie in bed and and I know or I know all about anxiety and you you lie there and it's as if there's no possible way that you can mend what troubles you oh definitely i some nights i wouldn't get to bed till 1am 2am and this is when i was 11 so um i worried nonstop i'd go upstairs talk to my parents and then i'd feel reassured go back and it just come back yeah. and so i thought that maybe a change in environment would help and it did and so you're walking the camino there are moments of joy there are moments of discovery we've done the camino there are people listening who've done the camino and they know about that joy and discovery on on the on the way do you remember where you were like which town or, or which little area where you thought to yourself oh, i can feel i'm changing I think it was halfway through the Mazetta. Oh wow, yeah. I um because of the barrenness of the environment you it's just left down to body and mind. So there were some days I had breakdowns, some days I was lifted up and I was thinking that this hasn't happened to me before. Now I'm changing as a person and that reassured me that everything was going to be okay. I just think it's so fantastic and I can hear in your voice that you are now Leo a totally different person and it must have been just a blessing James for you to go on this journey with your son not only step by step the crunching of the gravel under your feet but the emerging of your son into a different person this is not your old son this is a new person walking beside you here absolutely dan i mean it was you know i i would say it really became evident after we we finished but yeah. on so many levels walking with leo i mean he was 12 at the time he was still more a boy than a man um he's he's obviously grown quite a bit now but it, it was just such a wonderful experience to be walking with my son and 
I think one of the things I really wanted to communicate to Leo was that um, everybody has hard times, but can still have a good life. And I, as a father, the, the, uh, it's it's not unusual to want to present to your children as, as somebody who can do everything, um, infallible, can protect them from the world. Um, you know, nothing is nothing is going to rattle you. But the reality is, on the on the Camino, I I got quite rattled on on a few occasions. Um, I, I had my own, you know, <laughs> complexities. Um, yeah. And for me, for example, the uncertainty of, of not being able to find accommodation, or I suffered very badly uh, from blisters on that first journey, and uh, was questioning whether I could finish the journey. And I thought it was really um important to show leo that even those who seem infallible can have uh, a challenge or a difficulty or a bad day and and that is not the not the end of the world as well so yeah. you don't have to always be an infallible person and then walking with leo as as a young boy um the attention that leo got uh, from adults um was absolutely amazing the number of pilgrims who came over in tears saying you know how wonderful it is that you're walking with your son it's something that i had wish i'd done with my father or that i had done with my children we had pilgrims coming over and saying i'm going to get in touch with my my kids in the uk and tell them to meet us in leon and walk the rest of the camino with us you, you know you've inspired us but also leo was felt empowered to talk to adults he was um he really engaged with the other pilgrims because of the nature of the interactions on the on the Camino. So we'd we'd roll into an albergue and and I'd be rolling out the sleeping bags on the on the bunks in the dormitory, and Leo would make a point of walking around the dormitory and and go up to every pilgrim and he'd say, you know, hi, I'm I'm Leo, I'm, I'm from Australia. <laughs> um, if you don't mind me asking, why are you doing the Camino? And I didn't see a single adult who didn't stop what they were doing no matter how difficult the day had been and engage with him and have a conversation. So all of these things, Leo was just continuing to evolve in front of my eyes. And then post Camino, I think everybody who know, knew Leo before and after, they would say the Camino was a an absolute changing point uh, in his life. And it absolutely um, gave him the foundation to turn turn his anxiety around and become more positive and compliment leo how does the camino manifest in your day-to-day -day life now how can you feel it in your in your spirit today for instance i think since i got back from both it's changed me a lot mentally and physically um firstly um having a tan in the middle of the winter is always fun <laughs> um, but um I think it's given me more confidence and allowed me to be more myself without letting other people get to me. Yeah. I go to um, wherever I go out and I just think that I can do whatever I want when I put my mind to it and that life is safe and Wow. The world isn't a bad place after all. Wow. Wow. It's just fantastic. And the most remarkable part of this story really is 
to all of my listeners, that's just the first half of Leo and James's story. So before we get to the next half, I just want to close off the 2019 chapter, if you like, by asking you, James, first of all, you, what's one word you would use to describe the Camino? Uh, I'd probably say peace. Mm. Uh, I, I would say that it's it's a place where I feel at peace. Um, but I think it's also a place where, speaking personally, um, uh, I found positivity as well. Yeah. So for me, it's where I go. Uh, I, I associate the Camino with, with peace. Leo, what about you? One word. Remarkable. <laughs> yeah. Because... Um, it's hard to sum up a whole 800 kilometers and six weeks experience in one word, but I think that everything there was life-changing and um, astonishing. It was a great experience that I think changed both of our lives for the better. Fantastic. Wow. So that's 2019. Now, James, let's fast forward to COVID, which impacted so much on all of our lives, indeed still impacts us today. And you wrote to me to say you were due to return to the Camino in 2020, but COVID intervened and you developed depression. Take us through that journey. Uh, Yeah, in in 2020, um, I was due to take my daughter uh, my experience with Leo having been so amazing and um, uh, COVID intervened, as as everyone knows. So I was running an architectural practice and uh, it was a very uncertain environment for being an architect, uh, at least initially, until we, we knew what, what COVID meant. Um, my wife's business was also very heavily affected by COVID and it, it elevated the uncertainty of the world for me. And I guess it's in my nature to try and be prepared for everything. Um, and so I was spending a lot of emotional energy trying to work out what if, what if, what if, because I, yeah. I have 25 staff. I, I certainly, you know, yeah. they're all family members to me yeah. in effect. Yeah. And um, so by the end of 2021, I just found that I was not able to function anymore, and I I went to my doctor, and uh, he said, "Well, you've you've got depression and anxiety, um, and uh, it looks like you know you've, you've burnt yourself out worrying about everything." Um, fortunately, most of the things I worried about didn't come to pass. But and he said, "Look, uh, you know, either either you take some time off, or I'll I'll make you." <laughs> and uh, wow. and I thought, well. You know that really there's only one place that i i really want to go to find that peace to to, uh, to use that word again and it was uh of course the camino was was just starting to open up again and i thought i'll uh i'll, I'll tough this out I, I let my my work colleagues and my business partner know that i i was suffering and yeah. um they were they were very understanding i i worked a sort of light load if you like until March, uh, which was as early as I could get on to the Camino. And um, at that stage, I thought, right, I'm, I'm definitely going to return. And, and I started examining how I was going to feel about walking the Camino again, because it was evident that, that most of the routes were not 
fully open uh, mm. and that there was a risk of not finding places open. So the Frances was, was the logical choice to, to walk. And I immediately concluded that I was just so emotionally fragile that I was going to spend the entire time crying, um, uh, particularly when I walked around every corner and saw a cafe where Leo and I would have stopped or where we'd had a hard time. Um, and I, I almost didn't think that I would be able to bear the experience of walking it by myself. And so I thought I, I, I'd ask Leo to join me again. And, and that, when I thought about that, I, I thought about it again as a parent as well. And I thought, you know, not, not only would I enjoy Leo's company and take comfort from it, but what an amazing experience for me to watch Leo do it again and see what 12, see his reaction to what 12 year old Leo had been able to achieve. And also to walk through places where we really had had some very tough days. I mean, there was a there was a time on the Roman road where I literally carried Leo in his pack because he couldn't walk any further. Yeah. Um, and I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful as a parent to just watch what Leo has actually taken from the Camino in the last three years and, and do this again together. And so, mm -hmm. yes, Camino 2021 came into being. Fantastic. Oh, 2022, I should say. Yeah, that's, yeah, uh, that's right. April and <laughs> May of this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right, that's right. James, I just want to touch on um, the diagnosis. Um, you, were you relieved that a, the doctor was able to, to, to diagnose depression? Because it's a genuine illness, not unlike gallstones or arthritis. It's, it, it impacts your entire being. Were you relieved when the doctor said, oh, you've got depression? Yeah, yes, I, I was. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it really is good to... Uh, to know that it's just not a, that you're just not functioning properly yeah i mean i as an architect i actually design facilities for people with mental illness and and so and my business um does have some uh, you know i guess higher awareness of of the issues that surrounded and therefore i had greater understanding with my business partners and others i didn't i i, I thankfully didn't have that issue of going back to my workplace and, and being worried that I was going to be, you know, have a, a stigma. But it was it was certainly nice to put a label or or get an understanding that I, what I was going through was not something that couldn't be defined, that there was a definite cause for why I wasn't functioning well. So, Leo, take us back to the Camino in April, May of this year. How long did it take for the old dad to start to emerge once you stepped onto the Camino? Well, it was on and off from when we stepped on the plane. There was deja vu moments. Um, I think it started maybe at um, Burgos, maybe. And um, he, he was starting to lighten up, which I thought was a good thing because he had been so stressed recently. Um, and then I saw that he was, let's say, putting his feet up um, <laughs> when um, when we started getting through tough times. He was always optimistic. And even when he got COVID, he he um, he was always on the bright side, making sure everything was OK. And um, 
making sure he was okay as well. Yeah, yeah. So James, tell us about that. You did get COVID. What are the logistics? What, what happened? Take us all through that because I'm certain we could all learn a lesson from what you went through. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, yeah, of course, you know, COVID, COVID had shaped our world so much and yet <laughs> I was almost surprised when I got it. Yeah, um, for some reason, it was almost like, I, you know, it, it seemed that everybody was sort of coming back to Spain with this, with this thought about um, you know, traveling through a country of COVID with almost you know, almost not getting it because of course we were all armed with tests and, and vaccinations and things. Yeah. So um, we were in Burgos and um, uh, we were walking with with another um, family unit, a, a mother and daughter from Germany, and um, and Ruth, the mother, said to uh, said to me, "Well, how about uh, Leo walks with me and." Um, and you can have a little bit of walk time yourself today. And uh, so they headed off. And I found as I was leaving Burgos that um, I was really feeling unwell. And I was, you know, I wasn't counting down the kilometres. I was counting down the steps. And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a real hard slog today. So we we got to Pontanas, uh, um, yeah. And... Um, it's uh i had a really bad bad night's sleep and uh continued on you know long story short we got to castellari and uh, i had a really bad night's sleep and i and it suddenly occurred to me i didn't even think of until until then that uh, i should do a test so i did a i did a rat test and sure enough uh, the glowing pink line came up straight away it was a very strong positive and i thought wow um what do i do now so it took me a long time to find out what the Spanish uh, requirements were, and uh, I have to say my my Australian insurance company wasn't really a, wasn't very helpful. And there's a there's the one one two helpline in Spain or through Europe, and I got this most amazing operator who spoke English, and uh, he said, "I'm I'll, I'm going to get you help. I'll I'll try and find the answer for you." And through a series of telephone calls, he ultimately arranged for the medical director of the whole of the Leon region to give me a call um, and uh, with a translator to effectively talk me through what I needed to do. Um, and what I needed to do was, uh, at that stage, the, the Spaniards were not isolating unless you, you needed to be hospitalised. So I needed to wear a mask um, and I needed to pretty much stay away from other people when I didn't have a mask. So what that meant in practice was that I was able to walk each day. It was a very cold Camino this time around. Uh, we, we rarely saw a day above 10 or 15 degrees for most mm. of the journey. Um, and, and when we got to a cafe, because uh, of course everybody takes their masks off to eat, uh, I would sit outside in the cold while everybody else was uh, was inside, and uh, because I, the last thing, of course, you want to do is is transmit this to somebody else. Sure. And you, you certainly don't want to be a pariah on a journey. And at a practical level, we needed to find uh, single room accommodation at all the albergues, which in the middle of the Mazetta is not quite as easy as you would think. And what we did find was that there were some other pilgrims who were very worried about catching um, COVID. In fact, the Americans, of which there were quite a few this year, uh, 
needed to have a negative PCR test to actually get back into their own country. So they were very hypervigilant. And we actually found it was quite hard uh, sometimes to actually get the single room accommodation needed to uh, to isolate. Um, but we, we managed. And by the time we were nearing uh, Lyon, I'd, I'd done my time. I was I was showing a negative test. So as a as an experience, um, one or two really hard days. I did take a day off in Castellgeri um, to just make my way, you know, work my way through the headache and the, the day of discomfort that comes. But ultimately, the call of the Camino is very strong, regardless of whether you're well or whether you're unwell. And uh, the thought of lying in my bed whilst imagining our Camino family continuing to move forward around us was almost unbearable. So uh, I, I'd rather walk up the hill that follows Castellari with, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, stuff coming out of every hole of my head and, and enjoying the, the journey than uh, lying lying in bed and, and imagining it. So, yeah. so it was, and of course, Spain has, has been very heavily affected by COVID and, and there's a great deal of understanding um, and help about around it as well. So it was, it was not a country where I was worried about being, you know, somebody that everybody was going to be afraid of or be, yeah. you know, to be ostracised as a result of it. Wow. So there you go. That's COVID. That's, you're the first person I've interviewed, actually, who's had COVID on the Camino. So that's really interesting, James. Leo, uh, I want to talk to you. Uh, you used this second Camino with your dad as a way to pay it forward, um, to raise funds for a very important cause. Tell us about that. Well, um, Dad and I decided when we found out we were going on our second Camino, we decided that it'd be a great idea to um, raise some money for kids with mental health. Um, and because um, I got all my mental health during primary school and primary school wasn't a great time, as my dad mentioned, self-harm, worrying. Yeah. Um, we decided to go with a fundraiser called Breakthrough. They had this program called Big Talks with Little People where they teach kids about opening up to each other and it's a non-judgmental environment. So we had meetings with them and we decided that was what we were going to do. So we started a website and with a fundraiser with links to our blog and along the journey we told people um, about um, the fundraising we were doing. So many people donated, not just from home, but also people on the Camino. I remember um, we were telling this couple at an airport and they were from England and they had no idea what the Camino was, but one day I was looking at the um, the logs for the donations and I saw their names pop up and saying, wonderful to meet you. So it's it's okay. not just people who are interested in the Camino, it's just people who wanted to help kids with mental health donated. How wonderful. Good on you. That's fantastic. Leo, when your dad wrote to me to tell me your story, he said, and I'll quote him, Leo has been given a gift by the Camino and wanted to use his journey to gift and help others with similar afflictions. 
So is that how you see the Camino, Leo, as a gift? Definitely, Ben. I, um, it, my mental health improved on the first one and I realized that it was harder for me before the Camino to open up and tell people about my mental health. Yeah. And then after I realized that um, I could tell people and it's not like taboo as people think it is, I told my friends and they were understanding of it. So I looked back before, just before I went on this Camino, I looked back on how I felt before the Camino and how I felt alone and I couldn't tell anyone and I thought the world was against me. So I realized that lots of people must feel that way. So I decided to raise money and raise awareness so people could realize that it's okay to have mental illnesses and not be perfect. It's okay to be judged by people, but you just shouldn't let that get to you. And it's okay to open up about it. The Camino may be your gift, but what you just said there is a gift to all of us, Leo. You must be so proud, James, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Because we have something in common, the three of us. My son, Riley, who's now 18, was a choral scholar at St. Mary's Cathedral in Sydney. So I know the commitment required from both students and parents when the son or daughter is in the choir. It's a, it's a lot of work. So, Leo, tell me about your musical journey. <laughs> um, before I left for my first Camino, I was singing in as a soprano in a cathedral choir, um, which ranged from 15 to 20 hours a week of rehearsals and performances and services. And on my first Camino, I was known as the 12-year-old kid from Australia who sang Hallelujah all the way across Spain. <laughs> Fantastic. So, <laughs> um, this time, uh, this Camino, I um, just before I left, I was told that there were auditions for a musical while I was away um, for my school. And I was singing the um, rehearsal and audition requirement songs all the way across Spain, practicing and practicing while I heard at home all my friends were talking about how they were going to get me a role in the musical. But it's not just, I don't think music, it wasn't just because of the musical. I think music for me is a way to let go and express. So whenever I got to an albergue with a guitar, um, I sat down at the table with a couple of friends from Germany, America, um, and Denmark, and we just started to sing and everyone joined in and every, the guitar was passed around for about an hour and we were all singing songs from our own countries and we were learning different languages of different songs. And I think it was a bonding moment for everyone because even though we couldn't speak i can't speak a lick of spanish but by the end of the night i had learned a verse of a song which i've forgotten now mm. but um i think it's a way to music brings people together mm. and um that's definitely true for my experience on the camino 
Well, tell me, Leo, about Rafaela. Rafaela is a girl from Germany who I met on my first Camino. Um, we had a language barrier when we were 11 and 12. Um, so we sang songs we both knew. Yeah. And we just walked along and we met this uh, man from Brazil called Leandra and he had a Bluetooth speaker. So we we're always playing music and singing all together. And that's one of the key memories I have. But on the second Camino, we met with Rafaela again and my voice has broken about <laughs> two times lower, <laughs> two to three times lower. And <laughs> it started from being the high singer to the lowest singer in all my choirs. So I, we still sang all those songs and it was funny to see how we've both changed in that time, both mentally, physically. And yeah, it was special to reunite with her after three years yeah. and sing those songs we sang three years ago and we had such great memories and it brought back um, good times from the last Camino. James, tell us what you and the other pilgrims made of this unique international childhood friendship and, and music being a key part of it. Yeah, oh, it was... Um, it, so, so Leo and, uh, and Rafaela met uh, at Arason on the, fir- on the first night and we we really were work, walking with a very traditional Camino family crowd, meaning, you know, 50 years plus in age, typically. And there were these two youngsters who uh, immediately gravitated towards each other. And as Leo mentioned, the, the, the language connection was um, uh, was was not strong because they, they didn't speak each other's languages. So music became the uh, the obvious connector. And so they spent a lot of time just walking next to each other. Um, in fact, it was really nice walking behind them because they literally just sort of, you know, bump into each other as they walked along and chatted. <laughs> and, um, and you know, just, just sort of heads heads tilted towards each other and, and obviously connecting. And they were teaching each other songs. Um, Alleluia uh, was, was a bit of a favourite. And they they really became known as a unit on the Camino by everybody, you know, the, the two, the two young singing children who were always laughing and, uh, they almost became known as, as an entity and Rafaela and, and Ruth, um, were only able to walk the first two weeks of the Camino. And, uh, by the time we got to Logroño, which is where they needed to depart, they really were so well known and, we got to um, we got to the main square and it was time to say goodbye and we were then Leo and Rafaela and were in the middle of the square and moving in to give each other a hug and, and I looked around and I could see that there were pilgrims at all the cafes around the square watching and so many of them were actually tearing up that uh, that the, the, you know this this little connection was about to be lost. Um, so it really was a special, a special experience for everybody. And there were times when um, Leo and Raffaella would stop and and sing at a cafe, uh, and um, you know, almost like an, an informal pop up busking session. And and everybody just loved the singing and gave them applause, and they even earned themselves a few euros to put towards their next chocolate bar. Um, <laughs> So it was it was very much uh music was very much part of our journey 
for that um, that first time. And then, if I if I can sort of mention the the second chapter of that of same journey, yeah, yeah, I was getting to um, that. I was getting to that in a second, of course, yeah, yeah. So so Leo and and Raffaella stayed in touch, and one of the things that people kept saying to us on the Camino was, "How is it that you can get Leo away from school for six weeks?" Um, and and so many of them mentioned just how difficult and strict their own countries were in relation to children taking time off school. So I was really surprised um, when Ruth, Ruth, who was Raffaella's mother, sent me a text saying uh, Raffaella is missing Leo terribly and missing the Camino terribly. Would you mind if we came and joined you again? And cutting a long story short, uh, Ruth worked very hard with her German, Raffaella's German school, to get a few days off, and they they came back to join us. and And I didn't tell Leo, um, mm. and it came to pass that we were finishing the day's walk from Soria to Porto Marin, and Ruth and Raffaella were waiting on the end of the bridge oh. as we walked into Porto Marin, and uh, and Leo, of course, was was absolutely overjoyed that uh, Raffaella had, had returned. And, of course, many, I had I couldn't contain what was about to happen. I told many people what was a, what was going down that day. And um, as they as they came together and, and gave each other a big hug, uh, there were cheers from all around. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, so so they reconnected. And the next, um, the next few days as we walked into Santiago, um, the two of them were just, you know, back together and singing again, and yeah. it was wonderful. It was just it was just so nice to have this soundtrack to our journey of these of these two kids singing together. That is just so fantastic. I love it. I absolutely love it. Leo, you met Emma on this last Camino, um, and I've got some audio of you singing in the cathedral at Puente de la Reina. My mother told me. Someday I would buy galleys with good oars, sail to distant shores, send up from the prow, no more mark I steer, steady course to the Tell us about singing in cathedrals, in underpasses, in empty churches, in chapels. What's it like on the Camino and the spirit of that of that music? Well, it's mesmerizing because in a way it reminded me of home, but also reminded me that I was on this big journey. It reminded me of home because I was back harmonizing with um, a friend, like, Lots of my friends at school, um, they're high singers and I harmonize with them and we sing every lunchtime and have a fun time with music. And yeah. uh, singing in cathedrals, I think, was a big part of this Camino for me because firstly, you can hear the beauty of music resonating around you, bouncing off the walls and it it was kind of like a bonding moment when you sang with someone else 
and you were just clicking in that moment and just being while singing and it was a really beautiful moment for me especially in that cathedral <laughs> i just love it so much and i want you to tell us leo i'll stay with you tell us about i want to know that the world is a safe place yes well um after my first camino um rafaela's mother ruth um she's in a band um ruth plays guitar and cello and she sings um I got this, uh, dad got this message one day, um, of a audio file from Ruth and captioned was, here's a song for Leo. And we listened to it and we realized that Ruth had written a song about me and about my anxiety and knowing that the world's a safe place. And on that journey, trying to figure out who I am and what my purpose is as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. I'm going to play it at the end of the podcast. It's honestly, it's just breathtakingly beautiful. James, back to you. You and your wife decided to present Leo with a gift when he arrived in Santiago de Compostela. Yes, we did. Um, and if I, there's, there's a little bit of a backstory. Um, I guess one of the one of the aspects of Leo's uh, anxiety and OCD is that he he becomes quite singularly focused on things. And on our first Camino, um, I just as we were leaving St. John P. de Port, I bought him a little Camino pin. And uh, that that became the uh, the beginning of a long process of collecting uh, Camino pins along the, along the way of the journey. In fact, it became a great motivator for me to actually get Leo to the next town because uh, sometimes 12-year-olds need a little bit of motivation when they've, they've got a big day ahead of them. And... Um, by the time we walked into San Diego, Leo had about a kilogram of metal around his neck. He'd, he'd collected <laughs> so, so many pins, wow. um, and he'd swapped them with people, and uh, you know, and, and 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 people had actually bought them for him as well. So it was it was really unusual on the second Camino that that Leo Leo's tendency towards collecting things hadn't really um, come forward, you know, and. Um, he, as as he mentioned, he was um, he was trying out for a musical which which actually had a guitar component to it as well, and he'd been playing guitar for some time um, uh, and was really taking to it as an instrument. Um, he, he'd tried a few um, instruments uh, where you couldn't sing and play, and um, it, obviously singing is an important part of what he does, and yeah. so guitar was the instrument of choice. And we were in the land of guitars. Um, and I, I rang Jenny and I said, you know, we'll work out how to get it home, but why don't we uh, gift Leo a, a guitar from Spain? Uh, something that he will always keep and always remember as, as part of this journey. And, and she thought that that's a fantastic idea. Oh. Um, and uh, just purely by chance, we, we found ourselves walking with another father and son uh, team, Grant and James. And uh, Grant is a is a lawyer or, uh, during the day, but his one passion is guitars, and he makes guitars. Wow. So uh, as we were last week uh, walking into Santiago, um, Leo and Grant were engaging in endless conversations on all things guitar and, uh, and 
Grant was talking about the, the virtues of different materials and styles of guitar. And long story short, I we asked Grant, would you would you be willing to um, uh, help Leo find a guitar in Santiago, which um, which of course he was, and yeah. so it was just a wonderful little extension of our journey that. Um, the day after we arrived in Santiago together, um, the two of them went guitar shopping. Well, and that, I'm going to interrupt you, James, yeah. because, Leo, for the last 40 years, I've undertaken what I call guitar safaris, going in search of the perfect guitar. So a Saturday spent for me going from guitar shop to guitar shop to guitar shop to find the perfect guitar is one of the things I love doing more than anything. So I want to hear this from Leo James, if you don't mind. Tell us no, no, about tell us about the guitar safari in Santiago de Compostela, Leo. Well, that's where we're alike, Dan. <laughs> um <laughs> I spend all my free time in music stores. Yeah. Um and well, we went to I think three guitar stores in Santiago. It was um out just outside the old city. We first went to this little store, um, which is where I ended up buying my guitar. Um, and it had this, uh, the man was, um, went over to these two walls. He said, made in China, no good. Made in Spain, very good. <laughs> so he sectioned us to the Spanish guitar area and Grant and I spent half an hour plucking away at different guitars. So then we walked to another guitar shop and as soon as we walked in, we knew we weren't going to buy something from here because it was um, vintage Stratocasters that were six, seven thousand euros. Right. Uh, but um, Grant's son, James, and I were the same age. Um, we just sat on the couch in awe of all the guitars and mm. the amps and the pedals and we just sat there imagining what it was like to play those guitars, but um, we just um, sat there and thought about everything about guitars. It it was guitar heaven, and <laughs> so we spent about twenty minutes there, and then we went back to the little guitar store, Spanish guitar store, and. We picked up, we came down to two options of these two guitars. Um, and I closed my eyes and played each one and realized the one that I chose was the perfect Spanish guitar for me. It, it was, it just resonated with me. Yeah. Yeah. You can feel it in your, in your body, can't you? Definitely. <laughs> I love that feeling so much. That's so yeah. great. That is just so great. Oh, a guitar safari in Spain. Wow. How fantastic. Now I'm thinking about a guitar safari in Spain. You <laughs> <laughs> should try it one day. I think I will. All right, James, Leo's 15 now. He's heading into the next phase of his life. What are your hopes for him? Well, I, my hopes for, for both my children are happiness. Um, you know, there's a, there's a saying that has resonated very much with my wife and I, which is you're only as happy as your saddest child. And that's been very much the case for us as parents. Um, and 
uh, I, I just I just hope that the happiness that Leo has found in the last three years continues on. Um, I hope that that he is not constrained as he was when he was a young boy by his mental illness. Um, that that he that he flourishes and um, you know that that the the positive journey that he is now on continues but 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 happiness you know yeah. it's for me it's not about success or all those things that you have when you have a child who is nearing the end of high school and contemplating career choices it's I, i'm i'm happy if my my children are happy and that's that's what i wish for them and hope for them fabulous you're only as happy as your saddest child Goodness, what an astonishing thing to say. Leo, your dad's been through such a difficult journey, but you've helped him lift himself up, helped him grow, and to see, like he did for you in 2019, that life is an adventure and there's so much joy and wonder ahead. What are your hopes for your father in in this next phase of his life? Well, he is still working very hard with... Um the um the architecture business um and he seems to be enjoying it a lot i think <laughs> but um i hope that he's happy with his choices and um happy with what he does in his spare time and just enjoying just being and um yeah Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I just want to congratulate you both. It's not easy to talk about mental health. It's not easy to admit you're struggling. It's not easy to be open to change. It's not easy to be open as a father or open as a son. So congratulations for having the courage to take this journey together. Thanks, James, for getting in touch. I'm so pleased we've been able to share your remarkable story. And thanks, Leo. Keep walking, keep playing that guitar and singing <laughs> songs. That is a most wonderful adventure, full of so much joy and wonder. Walk on, fellows, and buen camino. Thank you, Dan, and bon camino to you too. Bon camino. My guests this week, father and son, James and Leo Sage. What a wonderful example of why we all love the Camino so much. There's a link in the show notes if you'd like to donate to Leo's campaign to raise awareness and funds for children suffering mental health issues. What a wonderful story. Thanks again to Amy from Ireland who sent me this week's quote to keep us all walking on. Walt Disney said the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. A very special thank you to my new Patreon sponsors this week, Jennifer and Teresa. Thank you for your kindness. You can sponsor the podcast too to help keep the show on the road by visiting patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. Thanks for your company this week and every week. And don't forget there are literally hundreds of episodes in the back catalogue to listen to. And to help us grow, if you know a friend who might be interested in the podcast, why not share it? I'll be back next week. Until then, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Of way to lose. I'll 
dad you tell me we'll be just fine it will be life with living oh, we have to trust what comes our way and I can only hope to overcome cause I